For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to former big leaguer Kevin Franzen, who does the color commentating on the Phillies radio broadcast, about what this offseason means for the future of baseball. Kevin, with some good opinions on what the free agent market may look like beyond 2021 after the lack of gate revenue last season for Major League Baseball, and whether or not the changing landscape of that free agent market will affect the coming seasons and the new CBA, which should be negotiated before the 2022 season. All things we can talk about with Kevin Franzen, who joins me next. It's Monday, January 25th. It's a pleasure to welcome in Kevin Franzen. You hear him on the Phillies broadcast, the radio broadcast. Franny, hopefully this year, more than 60 games, man. How are you, dude, as we we inch closer to spring training? What's going on with you this offseason, dude? Hey, brother. (laughs) (laughs) I just had to do it. I had to do it. I had to do it. Do you want to start over? What's up, brother? <laughs> no, no, we're good. Okay. We're good. We can keep just making sure. Hey, brother. I was going to open up and say, uh, hey, man, you just had a, another baby, or your wife had another baby, I guess. was That, that was over the off-season, right? Yeah, and it was October 2nd, <laughs> yeah. So I'm not Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, yeah, just lacking the sleep. You know me. I'm always about my sleep. Never, never actually. I was going to open up and, and crack on you and ask the relationship now that you've got a young son uh, between you and, and Earl Woods. Are you taking on a little bit of Earl in, in raising your uh, your little boy, dude? Yeah, just not the Winnebago, my friend. Just not the Winnebago. <laughs> yeah. Anybody see the Tiger Doc knows where we're going with that. I don't imagine Franny standing up at a podium anywhere saying my my son is the gift to humanity that he's going to be like Buddha or or Nelson Mandela. It's not like the excuses. You don't want to sit there and have any excuses for Tiger Woods, right? I mean, the guy's been great. We'll still look at him and be like, damn, it's Tiger, right? But he went through a lot of crap. You just can't put everything on that and say, oh, you know what? He had such a troubled past. I, I just have to give it to him. He's okay. Like, no. Like, it sucked, yes, but he still acted upon that. And it ruined a family, maybe, more than anything. Gave someone else a 500 mil. Is bad. Yeah, well, what I was going to say is, like, I think I understand more if we're going to be psychoanalysts here, and we do this, of course, in the sports world now. You sort of understand why Tiger was the way that he was, or is the way that he is, and behaved the way that he behaves. And I think when we look at these helicopter parents around sports, like when it comes to baseball, the one that always comes to mind for me is uh, is Chris Davis, not the A's Chris Davis, the former Oriole and the former Texas Ranger. Remember, his dad was kind of like a helicopter parent, uh, based on the the stories I've read. And when he was in Texas. He was just kind of miserable. Couldn't play there. Couldn't hit there. So many family and friends around because it's where he was from. Then he gets out to Baltimore, and it was kind of like that was a release for him. That helicopter parenting, it seems like, with with pro athletes, yeah, they may end up being this this phenomenal athlete, but uh, when it comes to between the ears, not always the best thing. But it's the problem, I think, with sports in general. Is we like, Especially now, more than ever now, let's just go there, is because you pay X amount to do a, a camp – or a travel ball team, or a travel volleyball team, a a select soccer team, you think, as a parent, that your kid is going to be the next great thing. you got to take away from it saying, well, this coach thinks he's this. You're paying the damn coach, right? And that coach is going to say anything and everything because he wants your money still. And that's where I have the problem with, like, that helicopter parent is we think, only about like what they're doing, maybe an individual way, right? Like in the golf world, in the tennis world. But when it comes to baseball, basketball, like you don't know your kid's going to be something, right? Well, he's playing on this, the greatest, you know, travel team ever. Well, okay. A lot of kids can, if they just come up with a dough, like just being honest with you, 
we're taking it to an extreme, I think, now because of the money part. You know, the the Chris Davis dads of the world. I was fortunate, you know, with my parents. My parents cared. They were around all my sports that I was doing. My dad only coached me in baseball, didn't coach me in basketball, the sport that he coached, high school, collegiate, and all that stuff. And and so I'm sitting there going, man, this is basketball was a release for me when I got to play because I wasn't having, you know, my dad wasn't coaching me, telling me what to do. And it was like, I got to play for him, right? I got to, he was in the stands. That made it so much more fun. And I was lucky on that. I struggle to hear about the helicopter parents, man, the freedom at, at the plate on the mound in the field of your mind is what's supposed to be right. And if you're the parent that's hel- like the helicopter parent, that's always around telling you what you do, you're three for four. Why didn't you go four for four? You know, that type of stuff. It only drags you into a deeper hole. And at some point, at some point, you're going to snap. Well, so let me ask you this, and this is a good avenue maybe for us to go down and talk in free agency and like where guys may land, where they may end up. And I want to talk the landscape of of what's going on this offseason across baseball. But for you, from your perspective, you're a guy who came up playing for the team you grew up rooting for in the San Francisco Giants. And you've played with so many different guys across many different organizations, and, and you're obviously still involved in the game. Does the hometown discount or the hometown feel for a guy exist? Are there guys in your experience that really do want to go back and play for their hometown team and converse? and sort of opposite of that, did you feel that pressure being that you were a kid who came up in the Bay Area playing for a Bay Area team? I felt the pressure from myself. I have so much respect for, like, as a, as a buddy of mine in, in Brandon Crawford, but as a player in what he's done, as far as knowing what he's done, right, as far as being a Bay Area kid, you know, going to Giants games growing up and then playing for him and then winning with him and being an all-star with him, all this stuff, it's insane because – there's a lot of pressure from ticket side and all that stuff. But if you're a third round pick, you believe you're going to be in big leagues, no matter where you are, right? As far as, wow, you got drafted by your hometown team in the third round. You're like, yeah, I'm going to play for them. Like when I got drafted in the 12th round, I wasn't thinking, yeah, I'm going to be in the, I'm going to be in San Francisco in a couple of years. I'm going to be doing that. I'm a big leaguer. Like you knew as a 12th rounder, you're grinding away, right? And that pressure to, to get there. When I got there in a year and a half, and I say that not as like a, a like just brush the shoulder off on the type of thing. Like, oh, my bad. It caught up to me really quick because I didn't think about that. I hadn't been thinking about the big leagues and playing in San Francisco. And when it got there, it caught up. And so knowing what Brandon got through and understanding the expectation that he had within himself, being a third round pick, you know, being able to play at such a high level for so long with people pulling, you know, certain ways and wanting certain things and staying true to yourself. That's the most amazing thing. That that's where I'm like, damn. I wish I was able to do that. I did it to myself. I think I've always told you that. I mean, it's it's a secret. So, it's one of those things I feel like when I got back to San Francisco, the last year of my career, at the very end, I wish I had that same feeling early. Where I, like I knew I belonged there and doing all this stuff and it just felt right. Like I was just enjoying every day instead of it being a whirlwind. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. 
when it comes to like trying to figure out wh- where a team's going to go with a player who's already made his debut, because you're talking about that catches up to you once you get to the big leagues. I'm looking at Joey Bart for the Giants. He's a first-rounder, and there's all this conversation around whether or not they're going to go another direction in the near future because they drafted Patrick Bailey, and Joey Bart obviously drafted by the last regime. But we got a little bit of a, a view of him at the big league level this year, and I think sort of some of the shine has rubbed off of him just because he didn't burst onto the scene in the way Buster Posey did in 2010. But I think people forget Buster came up at the end of 09 and wasn't all that spectacular. Obviously, you get a look at a guy. Do you think that some of the shine or some of the values rubbed off of Joey Bart a little bit this offseason? I only ask because a lot of people have talked about the Giants being active on the trade market. I know they picked up and they asked about Frankie Lindor from the Cleveland Indians, and Joey Bart was probably the name that was asked for in return. What do you think about him, and what do you think about his value heading into 2021? Well, I think his value's down a little bit. I mean, look, with the two hand injuries that he's had, the limited amount of at-bats over the last really in the last couple of years you're looking at, I mean, the kid can catch, he's got a good arm, right? I mean, he's good behind the plate, but you're looking for someone with pop. The fact that like he had almost a hundred at bats last year, he walked what, like two times him and Ahmed Rosario from the, the Mets walked at a, a lesser clip than he did, which is insane. And the fact that he didn't hit a Homer is still the thing that baffles me. Now, can things change? Absolutely. Because sometimes there's that humbled side, right? Like be, getting hurt doesn't mean you're humbled. It just means that it's it's just stopping you from that. But once you get to the big leagues and you get punched in the face, it's what you do with it. Because that's not a gut punch. That's a that's a punch in the face. What happened last year, and that's a good thing for him because all these expectations that have been built up around Joey Bart and maybe within himself, maybe it locks them in even more. That's a physical specimen, man. And you just hope that a guy like Buster stays healthy and, you know, Kirk Casale stays healthy to allow Joey Bart to just get rolling. I mean, remember a couple of years ago, you, you and I talked about this a lot, Christian Arroyo. And everyone's like, oh, Christian Arroyo, he's the next greatest thing. I was like, they were put in the worst spot. They had to go get him, right, and bring him up. They went through every other option. Guys kept on falling out, right? And next, they had to bring up Christian Arroyo, and he was going off in AAA, and I was like, you can't do this to the kid because the moment that he goes bad, he hasn't gone bad this year. He hasn't had a big, long streak of just being like, bleh. That bleh moment was in the big leagues, and it snowballs. We saw that a little bit with Joey Bart. The good thing is out of Joey Bart, we didn't see that on defense. That, to me, was a huge step for him. Teams are going to value him. I just don't think they value him as the you have to have. I think he's more of like, let's get him and see what happens. But there's going to be a lot of growth from him if he gets the amount of at-bats that he needs to in the minor leagues this year. I think that's the fear, though, right, is is what does the minor league system look like? Guys are preparing for, I guess we're, what, a month away from, from the start of spring training, and we still don't even know all the details of what this season is going to mean. See, that's the thing that's really pissing me off right now is the fact that there's free agents out there that they actually are about the D, like Marcel Ozuna. Now, 30 teams should be in on Marcel Ozuna, and let alone he is waiting. Part of the wait is he has no idea if there's going to be a DH in the National League because he's a zero in left field now. He just tailed off so quick. That it, well, dude, he, and this is a guy who was playing center it. field for the Marlins. Exactly. This guy was playing center, and now he's, exactly. no, he can't even do that. Yeah. Nope. 
Where are these guys right now, Franny? You've talked to so many of these players. Uh, I mean, generally, you're ramping up. You're a month away. Teams are getting ready for their fan fest. They're getting ready to to go back to the city in which they play in, and then they all break camp and they get out to, to Arizona and to, to Florida. What are guys dealing with right now from what you've heard? How are the uh, the minds of the big leaguers going as, as they get closer to spring training or or not closer to spring training? I don't know how far we are. Well, I think they got a little bit last uh, – what was it, last week? Early last week when Manfred said, be prepared for 162. That's the first time, and it was what, the second week of January, third week of January that we're in, that it finally came out to say, be prepared for 162. Like, how hard is that? Just to say, like, a while ago. Like, we're doing everything we can. So where they are, I think, ultimately, what it came down to is last year, when everything got shut down at the end of spring training, till spring training 2.0, they got that feeling of, like, when to ramp up a little quicker and I think they got the little the practice run. And now I think these guys are on a, on a steady pace. Like the first week of, of spring training when there is, you know, the, the, not the pitchers catchers, but when the position players report and what, four days later there's a game. I think you're not going to see a lot of the big players, most of the players, not playing until week two, at least five innings then. You know, we could all say February, oh, they, they're going to be playing the first week, 10 days. Fine. They might play literally three innings because they need to ramp this thing up in a different way than they ever have. You just can't blow them out again. Blow them out, stop them. Blow them out, stop. You can't do that. I'm very interested to see where these guys are. Everyone's going to be different. At the end of the year, the guys that had success, we're going to ask what they did and and what, you know, I think we're all going to deduct this is what they did. This is how they, they got through this because I don't think there's a right way. The Super Bowl happens, and it's mentally you're like, okay, I got two weeks. And now the Super Bowl is about, what, two, three weeks away, and you're going, I don't know. when. I don't know what we're going to do. Like, <laughs> There's a season, right? Uh, so th- there's, there's all that going on right now with these guys. Just a thought for you on the way out, Franny. You and I, I'd say maybe three years ago, you put in my head that the free agency in baseball – you associated it with yourself. The guys turn 30, 31 now, and if you're an infielder or an outfielder, maybe there's not necessarily a spot for you in free agency. Now, for pitchers, it's a little bit different. I think these guys stick around because it is such a commodity, but it's cheaper now for, for teams to dip into their minor league system. Has the offseason this year, following the pandemic season, A, gone as expected, and B, are you expecting, because of all these one-year deals that are being signed, because of all these last-year contract trades that are happening, and the big market of talent that's going to hit the free agent scene next year are you anticipating kind of a kind of a comeback to the old hot stove or do you think we're just trending this way and it's going to stick to the free agent market we've seen over the last three four years what i can say is the fact that theo epstein is now in the major league baseball office and trying to create you know some help and i think that's going to end up in the next few years to help out a with the cba but b the free agency part i don't see the free spending like we used to there's got to be a way to get this thing going a little bit more the fact that what you know the rangers signed chris young to be the gm we signed sam full to be our gm there's more players getting back involved in that front office gig or they've been seasoning a little bit you know trying to understand the analytic part uh the sabermetric part the you know the technology part of it that we're gonna start seeing some things going back i can't see the game just ruining itself as far as the way we talk about it Right. And the way we talk about free agency, the way it, it, it's been trending the last few years, I don't see that. But what I do see, and you bring up the the age thing, people are 
you know, the young teams are getting to the playoffs. The young teams aren't technically winning these playoff games. Look at the, I mean, you, you see the Dodgers. They are so uber talented, but they have so much experience all throughout, right? It's not just about the young talent, but they got some old vets. They got some guys that have the experience that are utility guys that they come in and do. They are building teams. People are understanding, especially like with the Phillies and uh, the Rangers, when you sign two guys like that to be GMs, you're not only doing the the analytical side of it, but you're you're trying to build a, a clubhouse. You're trying to build a full on team. Better the team is, right? More talent you have is great, but the closer you are, the things that you could do as a squad, the the culture that you build around winning, because culture is all about winning. You can't just say like, oh man, it was a great culture. You lost 115 games. Like <laughs> culture sucks, right? Yeah. The culture is all based around winning. It's how you can keep it going. And and to me, Theo Epstein, I think was a huge hire into that that you know spot. Whether or not he has any say when it goes to you know certain things like that, but I feel like he can get in the ear. He has to be able to get in the ear of Manfred because we're coming up on this CBA in this next offseason. And if the owners are all going to claim that they lost so much money, isn't losing out on another full year basically uh, losing out on a ton of money? Both sides have got to get to the table and get things figured out because look, the free agency part needs to be cleaned up. A lot of things need to be cleaned up. It's going to go back to certain things at some point, but I don't know if we're going to look at it economically the same anymore. And that's where the biggest difference is. Make a lot of great points about about the addition of former players as general managers. Now, yeah, first time with for me the first here on time. this podcast. It's okay. Yeah, for the first time. Friend, you're the best man. We'll talk again when spring training officially gets rolling or when spring training two gets rolling. We'll talk again uh, before <laughs> like the baseball sometime. season starts. Just, hey, hey, man, keep the bat out of DJ's hands, all right? Just quit, quit <laughs> helicopter parenting and just let him let him be him, all right? Let Tenley be yourself and, uh, and don't be helicopter. Just rub yeah. those hamsters. Make sure they're good. Nice and loose there. <laughs> but if, if you do put the bat in his hand, make sure it's it's left-handed, all right? Make sure he's throwing left-handed. Absolutely. Just throw right-handed because I could do that. Hit left-handed. I can't do that. No, no, no. He's got to do that. There you go. Franny, great talking to you, man. We'll catch up down the road. Thanks, bud. Always fun talking to Kevin Franz, and it's fun when you can get your buddies on to talk things that you like to talk about, always giving great insight. And again, we'll try to catch up with him as we get closer to the start of the regular season for Major League Baseball. But he's right. The addition of former big leaguers and maybe even the addition of of Theo Epstein to Major League Baseball's front office is going to help some of the landscape of the free agent market, as well as maybe some of the changes within the game, maybe as far as banning the shift or or changing some of the makeup of the rules, including the designated hitter, universally, which we should find out about in the coming days. Thank you to Kevin. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you're listening to us. We've got Warrior Basketball just about at the 25% mark. They're almost a quarter of the way done with the season. We'll talk about that later this week, and the Super Bowl is set, so we get a couple of weeks to talk NFL as we get closer to the Super Bowl and get closer and closer to the NFL draft and what the 49ers may do with their quarterback situation. Stick with us this week. Plenty more coming up on the update. Enjoy the week. We'll talk to you Wednesday.